This is the Frank and Friends Show. Hi there, I'm Frank Murphy, or should I say, this is the Frank and Friends Snow. I'm Frank Murphy. It's snowing in East Tennessee. <laughs> I'm standing outside on what we used to call the podcast porch, wearing my thermal underwear, my Peruvian sweater, and because I'm desperate to sell some merchandise, my beautiful Frank and Friends <laughs> logo hoodie. Check out the back, please, won't you? Thank you so much. You can order these at uh, frankandfriendsshow.com slash store, but even more importantly, please do subscribe on YouTube. Frank and, what is it, uh, youtube.com slash show, and then hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit any button you've got, because at this point, why not try it all? You know, what else is <laughs> going to work? All we need is the more subscribers, and maybe someday I'll reach my dream of monetizing. I mean, here I am, freezing myself with my Peruvian sweater, my thermal underwear, all outside, just so I can uh, get your desperate attention. <laughs> <laughs> or I should say, desperately get your attention. Now, I don't have a co-host for the episode because, well, a number of things are happening. You know, my wife was a little under the weather, so I didn't want to have people come to the house. Catherine Frady is off somewhere directing an opera. Uh, Sarah Roberto was posting on, um, what was she on? Uh, well, she's on everything. She's on TikTok, which I don't see, but then she reposts it to um, Instagram, where I do see it, and she's been sick. I didn't even uh, bother. There's a couple other people who said they want to be on the show. There was a lady named Katie Brazil said she seemed interested. I think that would be lovely. Uh, a guy named Mitch Moore, local actor, who I ran into in a restaurant. In fact, I'll tell you that story coming up on this episode. Um, who said he'd like to be on the show. And I didn't even want to call him because how can I ask anyone to drive up the hill to the podcast Ponderosa when it's, it's snowing, uh, like they say in uh, Southern California, at this rate and it's coming down pretty fast. I'm recording this on Monday the 15th, the Ides of January. Uh, and they've already announced school closings for the next two days. Not just, <laughs> not just tomorrow, but the day after tomorrow. Because it's going to be so very cold here in Knoxville. One degree for the low. My neighbor across the street said, What are you going to do if the power goes out? I'm like, I, I, uh, I don't know. Because then we run the risk of our pool pipes freezing. So let's just hope that uh, the power stays on, that things go well, and that we'll be okay. And uh, right now, I'm not going to go back inside. I'm already five minutes into the show. I realized I left my gloves um, in my car. So I'm going to just uh, power through and do this as best I can. So thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, and all of that business. And I can't even believe that I'm standing out this close to snow, this snow adjacent, because for most of my life, all of my life, really, up until the past couple of years, um, I really was anti-snow. I just disliked it. I was a summer guy. I've always been a summer guy. That's why I like to go in the pool. I like to, I'd, I'd rather sweat. I'd rather have it be 100 degrees than, um, than zero degrees. Or I mean, nobody likes zero degrees, but even if you get down to the, in the 30s, like right now, it's sometime, somewhere in the 30s of degrees, probably 30. I would rather have it be 100 than 30 because I don't mind to sweat but I don't like to shiver. So I've never been a guy who enjoyed this. However, when things changed and I got a radio job that allows me, or requires me actually, to do the radio show from home, everything changed. And now I've been three years as an at-home voice tracker doing radio, playing the classic hits. And all of a sudden I realized I don't mind the snow. Now, the other beautiful irony of that sentence is that this is the first time it's snowed in over a year here in East Tennessee, which is why this is such a great place to live. I made it 385 days with no snow just from living here. 
and I enjoy that very much. But uh, I'm on the radio working from home. I did a show uh, before I filmed the podcast and thought about, you know, it's great. I don't have to go outside. That was the big problem with working in radio and uh, hating the snow is that you had to drive to work even in the worst weather because the you know, show must go on. You got to be there at 530 in the morning or you got to be there at three in the afternoon, regardless of whether it's uh, snowy, rainy, hot, cold. It doesn't matter. In fact, that was my first big break, though, was due to a snowstorm. So you, you would think you would think that I would like the snow because if you go all the way back to the mid-1980s, there was a newscaster on WAVA named David, David Haynes. News update and comment on 105W, long pause, AVA. And he said actually the reason he started that long pause is so that he could remember the call letters because he had spent the bulk of his career in Milwaukee on, I think he was on WOKY, maybe WKTI, one of those. And he would say those call letters, and he had them so ingrained in his head that he didn't want to say the wrong call letters when he moved to Washington, D.C. So he would pause, W-A-V-A, and it became a trademark. Everyone loved him for his burnt toast and coffee time and all that stuff. Well, he was very smart, and um, he, I, he and I got along great, obviously, or I wouldn't be telling this wonderful story about him. Uh, but he saw in me someone who could help him because he was still relatively new to Washington, and here he is faced with the school closing announcements which you would have to do every morning on the show. And you'd have to read all of these different school systems, the counties and, you know, Montgomery County and Prince George's County and Fairfax and Arlington and Falls Church and Loudoun and Prince William. And it all just made a lot of, you know, some of the words, like you don't know necessarily how to pronounce Loudoun there versus in a different area. You might pronounce it differently. Or... um, other cities like here it's here in east tennessee there's obviously we got you know maryville where you might say maryville if if you're in iowa or nebraska wherever the other maryville is and so on and so on well david knew that i could pronounce all the local towns and that i had a basic concept of the geography so he would say to me here's what i want you to do organize these geographically so that it will make sense to the listeners like do all the maryland schools first or last or do the virginia schools but do them in some kind of order so that if you're listening at home, you can kind of picture yourself working from Montgomery County to Prince George's County, around the Beltway to Alexandria to Arlington to Fairfax to so on and so on. And I, so that's what I did. I would read the snow closing announcements. That, that was my big break, my big chance to be on the air at WAVA uh, back in, what was that, 84, 85, something like that. And you would think, because I owe my career <laughs> in a way to a big a heavy snow winter that year, a lot of snowstorms, that I would like it more than I do, but I just don't. And that also has to do with the uh, first time I bought a brand new car. Um, it was a couple of years after, not that long after my dad died, and I my, bought a brand new Ford Escort, and my mom and I co-signed on it together because we both needed to build up our credit ratings. You know, hers was completely dependent on my dad, who's now dead, and um, I, I needed a car. So we co-signed on this cheapo Ford Escort. I loved it. It was, you know, stick shift and everything. And uh, I slid on ice working after working at a record store. I worked um, at this place called Record Works selling actual vinyl records. And coming home in an ice storm, I slid and a guy slammed into me and I ruined the whole right side or driver's side of my car. Had to all be replaced. So I've always hated driving on snow and ice. Just hated it. Um, that's really the only bad accident I ever had, but I still can't stand it. So working from home is much better. And I also can't help but notice the irony of 
working from home and playing songs like uh, In the Summertime by Mungo Jerry and uh, Hot Fun in the Summer by Sly and the Family Stone. Anyway, all these summer songs in the middle of winter. And I thought, well, I like summer songs. It doesn't bother me to play summer songs, but why don't we ever play the winter songs in other times of the year? Now, I realize there are some songs, um, Life in a Northern Town is the only one I can think of off the top of my head, that were hits that are winter-y, but most of the winter songs we associate, I think incorrectly, with Christmas. I mean, what's Winter Wonderland got to do with Christmas? What's Sleigh Ride got to do with Christmas? What's Marshmallow World in the Winter got to do with Christmas? All of these things, none, nothing, nothing. Uh, baby, it's cold outside. It's very cold. And in fact, I don't even know how much longer I can stand out here. Um, and my hands in my pockets, I'm starting to get really chilly. But they don't have Christmas in them. They're winter songs. But for some reason, here in the 21st century, we play them on the radio from October, maybe, maybe November 1st, until December 25th, once winter actually starts, you know, a few days after the winter solstice, those winter songs are done. They're gone. They're retired until next year at Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it strikes me as weird that, you know, we, we don't play enough, in my opinion, of the Christmas songs, the songs that actually mention Christmas, and we play too many of the winter songs, and then they all go away, when why not we could still play, the winter songs could linger into January, I would think. I mean especially if you're playing the, the versions of the winter songs by the same artists that you would play, you know, year-round. I mean, country songs, for example, there's, um, there's a lot of country people who did Baby It's Cold Outside and who did uh, Winter Wonderland. I mean, there's pop singers who did those. And in the oldies format, I mean, sure, you can, you can certainly dig up plenty of versions of, you know, the same singers doing winter songs. I don't know why radio doesn't play them, except... I guess back in the olden days when they made the charts, the, radio, the uh, top 40 charts, the billboard charts, none of those Christmas songs were ever charted. They didn't start charting until they revised the way everything is done more recently. So that's why. I guess they're not technically hits because there's no proof that they made it to number two on the charts, even though in reality they would have. Uh, you can't prove it, so therefore they're not hits. All right. Well, that's me talking about radio, inside radio. Uh, what I should be talking about, actually, is a Tennessee Scholars Bowl, which is now airing weeknights at 5.30 on East Tennessee PBS. And I hope you will check out an episode. And if you live outside the area, you can go online and watch last year's show, season 39. But we've started airing now season 40. And um, it's fun because I think finally uh, I'm starting to get good at it. <laughs> After, this is my eighth year doing it. And uh, my wife and I have been done a better job, in my opinion, of organizing the questions and making the show better to watch when you're at home. Easier to watch and more fun, and the things, I think the game moves a little faster. And the kids now are used to me, because now I've been on the show for eight years, and this, you know, before they were even in high school, so they only know me as the host, and they also know that I'm very comfortable with them teasing me, especially these uh, kids from Science Hill High School in Johnson City. They will make fun of whatever they can think of, and in one of the episodes, I think that's supposed to air this week, they um, started asking me about my ties, the neckties that I was wearing. And uh, they, I mentioned, oh, this one's called um, Purple Plaid, or this one's called uh, Blueprint. And my wife has made up names, just made them up, for all the different ties that I have. You know, here's you know, Black Paisley, here's Purple Paisley, here's whatever they are. Uh, and on the spreadsheet that I get... <laughs> 
from my wife. It tells me which jacket, which shirt, which tie to wear for each episode. Well, the kids from Science Hill found out about this, and they started making fun of it on the show. When I asked them for their personal hobbies, they're like, well, I'm so-and-so from Science Hill High School, and I just would like to say that my favorite Frank Murphy tie is... And then they would name one of them, and I, at the minute there, I thought, how did they get a hold of the spreadsheet? And I realized that between the games, while we were in the break room and switching out one team for the next... We recorded, I think, six episodes in a row that day, so they're hanging around, and they're asking me between games as I'm going to the upstairs bathroom to change ties, oh, what's that tie you've got on? And they remembered it all. They made notes, and they you know, came on the show. and <laughs> they, It was good. I, I, I liked it. It made, me, made fun of me, and I enjoyed that kind, of, that kind of banter. But I also have, and they all know this, that before every episode, I take a word... A selfie for the wardrobe department, and my wife is the wardrobe department, so I make them some. I take a selfie and I say, "Here you go, wardrobe department. Love you," and take a selfie. Well, I've got all of these sixty-three selfies that I don't know really what to do with, and I'm debating. I posted one on Instagram and Facebook, and I got so many lovely comments about, you know, "Oh, you look good, professor." I'm like, "Well, thank you." <laughs> then I, I'm tempted to post all of them, but I. Also, think that would be a you know a desperate attempt uh, to get more likes and whatnot and comments, uh, but maybe I'll do a montage. You know, here's this week's wardrobe selfies and just post you know five of them or ten of them all at once. And that way, you know, if you want to look at them, you can. If you don't want to scroll through, then you don't have to. It's just one. You know, seems like it's more more logical that way. But I hope uh, that you can uh, check out the show. Um, and it seems like oh, in terms of Scholars Bowl, I also wanted to mention that my wife realized one day we were having a lot of people were talking and you know i tend to talk a lot as you realize you know i can easily fill this whole episode as a monologue my wife said that she would like to have our own scholars bowl buzzer i'm like why why would you want a scholars bowl buzzer she says because every time the kids play the hit the buzzer you stop talking because <laughs> that's the rules of the game if i'm in the middle of a question and they ring in i have to stop right there mid-sentence midstream so my wife needs a scholars bowl buzzer so she can cut me off at any point <laughs> As we, by this, if you're still watching, you may also want to have a scholars bowl button so you can uh, you can cut me off. Um, and one day when I was doing these wardrobe selfies, I was communicating with my wife. And I had to actually write to her. I said, "Some lady keeps asking me what am I wearing," because te- it was Jerry texting me saying, "What are you wearing?" <laughs> and I would send her these these wardrobe selfies via text. Ah, all right. Well, I also mentioned to you that uh, actor Mitch Moore ran into actor Mitch Moore. Uh, when I was out and about, we went to a, an Italian restaurant. I think I told Freddie about this, but then I forgot the rest of the story. Went to an Italian restaurant in Sevierville called um, Ristorante della Santina, I think. I'll put it on the screen, I guess, or put it in the show notes, rather, if you want to read the show notes. Well, it was great, and it was lovely, and actor Mitch Moore is there and uh, spots me and spots Jerry and comments. He even actually recognized that I'd been on Scholars Bowl. I think I was probably wearing this sweatshirt. And I, he said that was not why he recognized me. <laughs> he actually remembered me from real life. And in the course of the conversation, we talked about his band, his 80s tribute band called Vinyl Tap. And I said, I need to go see a, a Vinyl Tap gig uh, if they have one on this side of town. And um, also I invited him to be on the podcast. But I, I didn't want to, I, I could have used him today, but how can I make him drive, you know, in all of this? Well, at this restaurant, I guess it was a seasonal thing, but we're there with uh, it's my wife and me and my wife's sister and her husband. So the four of us are having dinner, and they bring out the drink menu. And I don't normally get a cocktail, but I know in this particular scenario, I, I don't have to drive, and we're going to have a big old, you know, carbo-loaded pasta meal. 
and there's this drink on the menu, and it's called a s'mores old-fashioned. And you know, I, I will eat s'mores anything. I will try s'mores anything. If it's got s'mores in it, I would like to taste it and try it. I've had the s'mores uh, uh, concrete at Andy's Frozen Custard. That's pretty good. I will try all that. Eggnog and s'mores, I mean, these are some of my, my best flavors, right? So I said I would like to try the s'mores old-fashioned, please. Well, let me put up a picture of the, the s'mores old-fashioned so that you can see it was fantastic with these little uh, toasted marshmallows across the top of the glass. And I didn't even taste the alcohol in it. I mean, maybe, I don't even know if they had any in there. I'm sure they did uh, because it wasn't that strong of a drink or the full plate of spaghetti that I ate <laughs> absorbed all the alcohol. I don't know. Like, I'm not really a scientist when it comes to that, but I really enjoyed the, uh, the s'mores old-fashioned, as well as the spaghetti and meatballs, but the s'mores old-fashioned was something I'm still thinking about. And it probably was a seasonal drink, so I probably can't get it again until next year at, or later this year at Christmas time. Well, I, mean, I did um, do some other traveling. We went to see the, those same relatives. They were here in Tennessee uh, for a little bit at the beginning of December, and they came to see the Knoxville Nativity Pageant, which I was thrilled that they wanted to come that weekend. Well, then after Christmas, but before New Year's, we went up to Virginia, just for a few days. It was a very quick trip so that we could uh, have some Christmas celebrations with my daughter and her family, you know, Artie Rocket and all the brothers and sisters. And then my son, Dr. Frank Jr., PhD, was also visiting the D.C. area. So I got to see him. My sister was down from New York. It seemed like it was the critical mass had been achieved. There were enough relatives all in the D.C. suburbs at the same time, except for my wife and me. And I thought, well, we can't just sit here and be the holdouts. I didn't realize it's a 500-mile drive, and I don't like traveling that far, but we are going to go. And we ended up having a lovely visit. Uh, you know, we stayed with the sister-in-law, sister, my wife's sister and brother-in-law that I told you about, and they're just wonderfully hospitable. They've got a nice house and comfortable beds and all that stuff. And I can uh, do the radio show in the be- spare bedroom, and it doesn't bother anybody. It's all nice. Well, um, one of the things we did was I wanted to go see my daughter's art studio. You know, she's an amazing artist. In fact, uh, she's started selling a couple of the prints. I'll put a link to that in there if you'd like to see some of Megan's artwork. You can buy a print of um, the baby loggerhead or a print of the old blues singer. They've got those ready to go. And they've got more, actually, whatever one, any picture she's got on the wall of her, uh, her studio, they can take a picture of that and make a print. Or you can buy the original artwork. And I recommend that highly. So you can check out Megan's uh, artist page on um, Instagram. I'll put a link for that in the description. Well, I wanted to go see it, and I wanted my sisters to see it because my, my, one of my sisters does art as well um, and was curious about all that. So anyway, the three of us all arranged to go. We're going to go out to uh, lunch somewhere near this studio in northern Virginia in Fairfax County. But there was a power outage, and the first three restaurants we went to were closed because they didn't have power. <laughs> and finally... <laughs> <laughs> we uh, found one that was a little further away, and it had power. We were able to get some lunch and then go to the art studio. And not only did we see my daughter's beautiful artwork, but she took us around to see the other artists at work. One lady was working with some kind of um, fib- fabric or fiber. I guess she does fiber and weaves it and does all this, dyes it, and makes these beautiful... I, I don't even know if they're, you would call them a tapestry or whatever it is, but they're you know pieces of cloth that are art. And then another guy was painting, and he was a character. He was, I would call, a surrealist because 
it kind of reminded me, in fact, one of his paintings had Salvador Dali in it. It was kind of this weird thing, and the guy, and there's a mustache out there floating in space and eyes, and you realize, oh, that's Salvador Dali. He's painted, and he's got a lot of skulls, and he's got uh, the Washington Monument and all these other Washington landmarks in there, and it's weird. I mean, but he wants it to be weird. It's, it's surreal. I guess surreal and weird are, are kind of the same. And cats are in there and other animals, and just um, it's a bizarre world. And the skulls, I start asking about the skulls, because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm interested in forensics and Dr. Bass and skulls. And my daughter asked if he's ever heard of the body farm, and he said he had. And then he started talking about how he himself, when he, it's time for him to die, would like to just walk off into the snow and just die. I thought, well, that seems like a terrible way to go. I think I told him that because it's, you know, cold and uncomfortable. And what if you don't die right away? You know, if, and if you know that you're, <laughs> how do you know? Because, I mean, I think my tolerance on that would be, I'd have to know that I would be dead before I got to the end of the property line. I mean, I'd have to know, that I, I wouldn't want to have to walk too far in the snow to die. I would just want it to be over quickly. Uh, but maybe that's not this guy's thing. And I started talking about the other forms of weird burials. <laughs> I said, what's the one where the vultures get you? That's a sky burial. And you know, he knew all about it. He starts educating me about, oh, that's what the Native Americans would do. They would lay the dead body out there and let the vultures, you know, pick the bones clean. So we had this lovely conversation, which really segues nicely. <laughs> well, I did also one, I did suggest one other thing. I said, if you want that, you know, you don't have to go to all this trouble. You don't have to walk into the snow. You don't have to go have somebody drag your carcass outside. Or your, actually, a carcass is an animal. A cadaver is a person. You don't have to have someone drag your cadaver your corpse, which is also a person, outside and, and do the sky burial. All you need to do is have a pet cat, and they will eat your remains. So there you go. Uh, which brings us perfectly into the man who taught me all about that, Dr. Bill Bass of BoneZones.com. Don't forget the S. And you know what? I, uh, I had the hat and I had the T-shirt. I wonder if my wife can even hear me. She probably can't. Hey, Jerry, can you hear me? No, I told her to stay inside so she doesn't get cold. Because uh, I had meant to bring the uh, Bone Zones hat and um, T-shirt out here, along with the uh, Frank and Friends beach shell, so that you could... Could you throw me the Bone Zones hat and T-shirt that I had intended to, to bring out here? I put it on the chair there with the Frank and Friends towel. <sighs> it's the commercial for BoneZones.com, don't forget the S, where you can get the different books that are autographed by Dr. Bill Bass and John Jefferson. Um... Let me just throw it into the frame like uh, the old Soupy Sales show. Um, let's see. Here's the... All right, this hat's set for Frady's head. That's too small for my head. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, so I'm going to be a Dr. Bill Vass groupie. You've got the, uh, the Bone Zones t-shirt. Look at that. This is the long sleeve uh, body farm t-shirt. Now, there's some clown on uh, Facebook who's trying to sell rip-off... Uh, Dr. Bass and Bone Zones t-shirts. So don't, do, don't buy them from anybody like that. Just go to BoneZones.com. Don't forget the S. Send an email. Contact Susan. Make sure you get the official, the real deal stuff that actually does benefit the great Dr. Bass and his, his uh, ventures. Um, I guess I can hand those back to you. Thank you. And then I'll take this for the end of the show. Thank you very much, dear. You want to say hi to the people? Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for uh, helping me set up the camera. Anyway, BoneZones.com, don't forget the S. I think we are getting probably close to the end of the show because I am cold. I'm not moving around enough. I've got the thermal underwear on, and I've got the Peruvian sweater on, but probably could have used a few more layers. 
<sighs> so bonezones.com, don't forget the S. I want to tell you that um, being out here reminds me, there's a, there's a stump down there. You probably, you probably can't see it. When we used to use this as the podcast porch, I don't know how many of you, maybe Tanya Cinnamon is probably the only one I can think of, who used to watch the old version of the podcast. We would shoot out here on the podcast porch. And it was sponsored by tree, Steve's Tree Service at the time, and they've since gotten out of the tree business because it's too de- physically demanding. They're doing um, something else now, I think floor coverings. Um, but there's a stump that's still down there that was cut by Steve's. And it's a whole long story. It's worth actually trying to find it or retelling it someday about how that, when that tree fell, the guy who lived down the hill, he meanwhile is, hears the chainsaws and starts coming up the hill walking toward them. And he almost got hit by this tree because he didn't tell us he was sneaking up the hill. Well, that stump, I'm still trying to get rid of it. And I've been occasionally whacking at it with the shovel. So I had this brilliant idea to pour baking grease on it. So not on a day like today, but on a regular day. I'd go out there, and after we'd have some uh, bacon and eggs for breakfast, I'd take the frying pan and pour the bacon grease onto this stump. Because in my mind, I would never thought about bears. I didn't think about bears coming. But I thought the raccoons and the birds and the other critters would use it like a suet feeder. And it's been working. They've been you know, chipping away at this stump until one morning when uh, my wife says to me, where's the frying pan? <laughs> and I'm like, what, the frying pan? That's right, isn't it right where it's always kept? No, I had left it out on the upside down on the stump to drain every last bit of bacon grease off of it. Uh, fortunately, it was not you know, snowing. I was able to go down there and get it. And that's, uh, that's the time she knows about. There was another time where she doesn't know that I forgot the, the frying pan on the stump because I remembered it after she went to bed. So I come out, I come out with my, my flashlight on my phone, and I'm in the pit, it's like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm trying to find my way down the hill to get the frying pan back off the stump. Because I have been obsessed with this idea. I got the whole idea for putting bacon grease on the stump from putting coffee grounds and eggshells in the garden over here in this garden. I open the kitchen window, and I throw the eggshells out the window or, and the coffee grounds, and I put them here around the baby peach tree on this side. And... Uh, one day I didn't want to throw them out the window because I then come around and I'll take the shovel and just kind of crush them into the ground. And I noticed that uh, the eggshells were moving on their own. Like if I would drop the eggshells out in the evening or the afternoon, I'd come out the next day and they had been some, somehow magically relocated elsewhere in the yard. And I realized, oh, the raccoons or somebody else is picking up these eggshells and then they're, they're disappointed that they're empty and they just throw their trash just anywhere because they're raccoons. What do they know? And well, I need to do a better job of burying these in the ground. So I start that habit for this lasts for, you know, a couple of weeks until I realized how stupid I was being because I go out there, with the, I got eggshells in one hand, I got the shovel, and I start digging a hole where I think I should plant some eggshells and I hit something and it's the eggshells I had buried the week before. <laughs> I didn't remember where I was planting the eggshells. So that was, uh, I tried I tried to, to do that project for a while, but maybe, maybe that'll have to go. Uh, but I think maybe um, it would be a good idea to uh, wrap the episode. How long have I been going? Oh, it's almost half an hour, I guess. I'll tell you a couple more stories. Um, we had uh, an adventure. I, I, I guess I could use a, a hot coffee right now or a hot chocolate or a hot apple cider or something. But we uh, went to the, the coffee shop, the famous coffee shop that everyone knows, and Things like this always, always, always happen to me. So I'm not surprised and I'm not phased by it. But everyone else seems to think, oh, no, 
this is just unusual. And to me, I'm like, eh, it's kind of the way things are. So we go to the coffee shop. My wife places her order for uh, peppermint mocha, whatever she gets that day. It was after church on a Sunday. And they they take care of her, and she scans her uh, her app, and she's ready to go down to the end of the counter. And I step up to order mine using to, to pay for it with my own money, my own app. And uh, the barista hits the machine, and she's got this horrified look on her face. And she looks at me and goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what happened? She says, I just shut down the register. <laughs> what? I didn't mean to. I just hit the wrong button, and now the register is powering down. And it's off. It's off, off. And I start laughing. I say, no, it's no big deal. I mean, she says, well, I have to restart it now, and I don't. And she's stressing out because she's got to go get a supervisor to put in a code, and the whole thing is going to take a while, and they, they start typing in some numbers, and the thing starts sputtering back to life. But it's still going to be, apparently, this takes a process. I didn't know how long it takes to restart a, a register at the store, you know, all computerized. She says, well, I'll go ahead, and I'll make your drink. What were you going to order? I said, I'm just going to get a latte, a quad latte, grande, uh, so she says, okay, I'll just whip that up. And right there, I mean, she barely even moves. She turns from the register, and there's the espresso machines right there. And I actually get to see it. I never really get to see it before. She makes her just the four shots in the cup, and then the frothy of the milk. And she says, here you go. And then, meanwhile, in the course of this, she also pours me a cup of water. I've got my latte. i got my water. And the register is up. I scan my code. And I notice that as she's handing me my latte, another barista is at the other end of the counter, putting my wife's latte down there so really i win I, I got mine in less time than if everything had worked properly and the girl is so apologetic she's like i'm so sorry sir i really don't didn't mean for any of this to happen to you and i said no it would be a great story for the podcast <laughs> and her eyes go like this <laughs> so i don't remember her name i didn't try to remember her name so uh no harm no foul there barista lady uh everything went well uh, and then, you know, what my wife and I tend to do, though, is we'll go uh, take our, our drinks from the store that's, uh, that's known for its coffee but not for its food, and we take it to another restaurant that's known for its bread but not for its coffee. In fact, I can't stand the coffee at the bread place, and I can't stand the food at the coffee place. So we brought the coffee over to get food. And uh, this particular day, uh, I was going to get a tuna sandwich. You know, it was Friday or whatever. I decided I was going to get a tuna sandwich. And they have tuna salad. Not very many places serve tuna salad. You know, uh, they, McAllister's tells you they serve tuna salad, but they don't. <laughs> Not that I'm throwing them under the bus. But Panera does. So I went there to get a tuna salad sandwich. And it was delicious. Mine was. Because I remember, and I said to them, uh, I'd like a tuna salad sandwich. No onions, please. Um, whatever delicious ciabatta bread or, or what's the other kind of bread? The, what kind? What kind of bread was it? Brioche. Oh, that's it. Yeah, the brioche. Oh, so good. In fact, I didn't even know it, but when I ended up ordering it, um, it they gave me two sandwiches because that's the a half order with a bowl of soup is one sandwich, and a regular order with no soup is actually two sandwiches. So it was too much. I got too much uh, too much tuna sandwich. But the funny part was my wife's tuna sandwich. They they hand her hers and she brings it over to the table and she looks at it and just everything about it is wrong because she also told them tuna salad no onions except they completely misunderstood and gave her onions no tuna salad <laughs> she had an onion sandwich <laughs> i mean i know that everybody's only half listening but uh she wanted to take it back but it just I, I what struck me as odd about it was at what point during the preparation of the onion sandwich the raw onion sandwich do they realize this lady wants bread 
tomato, lettuce, and onion, and no, and no, no tuna, no cheese, no ham, nothing but onion. That just—it seems like it, that should be some kind of red flag. That somebody in the process would say, "This can't be right." Could you read the order to me again? Oh, it's hold the onion, not hold the tuna. That would make so much more sense. So, all right, I think are we ready to, to wrap it up, or did I have one more story for you? Oh yes, uh, the the plumber and the heat and air guy. So here I am standing outside freezing, even though I've got this wonderful heat and air system that works so well. And part of it is they come and they, they every once a year and they look at it and they make sure they help me change the filters, which I'm supposed to now do on my own. It's some, in the spring I have to do it on my own, but in the fall they'll come and make sure it's ready. So uh, I've got to order these new filters. And the guy, when he was here in the fall, is telling me, uh, these are the ones you want to order. He says to me, yeah, I always recommend the box filters, because apparently there's different kinds. I always recommend the box filters for my elderly customers. And he's looking right at me like, what? <laughs> so he's telling me, an elderly customer, to order the box filter. I'm like, okay, thanks. That's great. Um, and then when the same guys, same company sends their guys over for the, the plumbing checkup, the plumbing tune-up, we had that recently, because uh, there was a kind of a slow leak under the kitchen sink. And if I scheduled the plumbing tune-up, I didn't have to pay for the service call. They would just fix it while they were here and I'd save a few dollars, right? Say whatever the $50, $60 uh, service call would be and just get the, the pipe, the leak fixed, along with them checking the toilets and all the other things that they do. So they, in fact, go through and on their iPad, they have in detail everything they've done, the whole report. And this is where I, I'm proud of myself because I didn't make a fool of myself and I'm so tempted to, but I'm biting my tongue and I'm trying so hard not to say anything because you know people like me who are the grammar police, who will see misspellings and punctuation errors and completely wrong words like uh, the word P-A-S-T instead of P-A-S-S-E-D for past. They both sound like past, but they have completely different meanings. And I'm reading the thing and I I just want to reach over his shoulder and I want to start correcting the grammar and I want to start putting asterisk your (laughs) there, not there, all of the things. But I didn't say a word, so I would like to now officially pat myself on the back for uh, for not <laughs> not making a complete moron of myself <laughs> in that context. So that's the lesson. If I can hold my tongue, which seems like surprising after half an hour of a monologue in the 30-degree weather, if I can hold my tongue, then uh, we all can hold ours. All right. Thank you so much for watching, liking, sharing, and subscribing. Uh, do uh, connect on YouTube by you know hitting everything. Like, share, uh, thumbs up, uh, whatever else is on there. I know that those are the two. Subscribe is the main one. Um, and that maybe will help us. Tell some friends about it. You know, say, hey, here's a guy who can stand outside in the snow for half an hour and talk. Maybe you can, too. Maybe you can tolerate that as well. Uh, go to our website, the frankandfriendsshow.com slash store, and uh, get the delicious, d- delightful, beautiful uh, bath towel. I should do the magic trick. Maybe I'll do that at the end of the show. <laughs> you have to imagine this. You know the Celine Dion song? Uh, yeah, you know it, right? Don't you, uh, it all, it's all coming back to me. So maybe you come out and sing that for us off camera at the end. No? You won't do it. All right. Um, well, this is magician Siegfried and Joy, and that's their, uh, their shtick as they play the Celine Dion song, which I don't think I can play without getting dinged on YouTube. Uh, and they do a magic trick, and I'll try to do that at the end of the show for you. Uh, but do uh, buy the merch, whether it's the uh, this, the mugs, the hats, the, the whatnots, at frankandfriendsshow.com slash store. I hope to have um, a co-host with us the next time around. I came out here so you could see 
not only the old podcast porch, but I thought, I don't know if you can even see the, the actual snow falling, but it, I cannot hear because it's still snowing fairly heavily. And uh, uh, I thought it would be an unusual episode. Plus, this way I didn't have to take down all the Christmas decorations <laughs> and reset, which I have to do before the next co-host comes over. That's kind of the deadline when someone's coming over. We uh, reset the table and, and put up the wintry decorations or whatever the next the next theme will be. Probably the I think we have a blue tablecloth for the winter or something like that. Um, all right, that's it. That's the Frank and Friends show in the snow. I'm Frank Murphy. Thanks so much for watching. We'll talk to you again next time. All right, here we go. <clears throat> uh, da 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 da. All right, upside down. All right, D- don't watch this part. Uh, I'm practicing. <laughs> like my. All right, here we go. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the uh, the magic trick. Imagine it's Siegfried and Joy. Uh, it's and it all coming back to me now. One, two, three. Did it work? <laughs> no, catch the towel. Oh, wait, no. It'll be fine. Here we go. Let's go try, try it again, just for fun. That's good. That one was good. You could probably use that one.